Welcome back. It is episode number 18 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And Matt McAuliffe, we are starting to talk about the spring season on today's episode. Wild. What better way to record? What better day to record? We are recording this the day before it airs, Tuesday, February 5th. It is 50-something degrees outside in Hamden, Connecticut right now. We are both wearing t-shirts, both wearing baseball t-shirts. And... It's that time of year. Like as much as as much as winter sports are starting to ramp up, it's also time to start to get the uh, the spring sports schedules underway. I'm for it. Yeah, I am for it. Uh, spring and fall are, I think, underrated seasons. People don't talk about them enough. Right. And when you know spring rolls around, you start to smell the end of the semester. So we'll, we're it's we're a long way away, but it let me dream. Oh yeah, and I and I'm biased cuz you know I grew up playing baseball, so did Matt. So there there's nothing much better than on a a weekday afternoon sitting in the bleachers and catching a couple innings of a baseball game towards oh, yeah. the end of the semester. Of it's great. But anyways, uh we got a long rundown to get through, a lot going on in Quinnipiac Athletics, so we're not going to wait around for that. This is the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. <laughs> The women's indoor track team competed in the New England Championships last Friday, February 1st. In the track events, senior Kaylee Roberts led the Bobcats with a first-place finish in the one-mile event for the second straight year and recorded the sixth-best time in the event for any Bobcat. Meanwhile, in the field events, senior Carly Timpson finished in fifth place in the finals for the weight toss with a 16.71-meter throw. That marks the second-best throw of any Bobcat in program history, so congratulations to Carly. The Bobcats are back action this Friday, February 8th, when they head back to Boston to compete in the David Henry Valentine Invitational. The Quinnipiac women's tennis team, they dropped a non-conference contest at Fordham by the final score of 7-0. The duo of Camilla Nella and Layla Rodriguez earned the Bobcats' lone win of the match, winning 6-4 in doubles action. The Bobcats are off this weekend as they get ready for the start of MAC play on February 16th. Meanwhile, for the men's team, uh, they were off this past week, but they traveled to New York City this Saturday to battle St. John's University at 8 p.m. The women's basketball team, they started off the weekend with a 58-46 win at Monmouth on Friday. The Bobcats faced their toughest MAC test yet, but used a 19-7 fourth quarter to win their ninth straight game. Senior Paula Stratmanet led the charge with 14 points and nine boards. Aaron McClure and Paige Warfel both hit double digits in points with 12 and 10 respectively. For McClure, this was the eighth time since Christmas where she's recorded double digit points. That's only 10 games. Two days later, the Bobcats kicked off a three-game homestand with a 72-56 win over Ryder. Aaron McClure led the way with 22 points and tied for the team lead with eight rebounds. Paula Strotmanet also put up 18 points herself. The Bobcats improved 14-0. Yep, 14-0 all-time against the Bronx. Ryder is one of five MAC teams that has never defeated Quinnipiac. The weekly turnover margin now. We're going to check in on this stat, Dan. We've been watching it all year long. Do, 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 do. They are now third in the country from east to west of the United States. <laughs> they're third in the country with an 8.65 turnover margin behind Lamar University and UC Irvine. We're now moving on to the Mac Player of the Week, Aaron McClure. Of course. Now, for her efforts this weekend, she earned that award. She scored 39 total points over the two games this past weekend, a well-deserved award. 
Now, finally, the Bobcats are back home this weekend. They host the Niagara Purple Eagles on Thursday at 7 p.m., followed by a game against the Canisius Golden Griffins on Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. On the men's side, the Bobcats had a two-game win streak snapped on Friday night as they dropped a close game to Canisius by a score of 75-70. to Cam Young paced the Bobcats with an even 30 points while finishing second on the team in rebounds with eight. Jacob Rigoni added 18 points of his own, 13 of which came in the second half. The Bobcats outscored the Golden Griffins 41 to 31 in the second half to get the game within five points, but couldn't complete the comeback. Two days later, however, the Bobcats rebounded with an 84 to 73 win at Niagara. Cam Young led the offense again with 22 points, while Rich Kelly and Jacob Rigoni added 21 and 20 points respectively. The Bobcats turned the ball over just eight times in the game, and Quinnipiac held an 18-10 scoring advantage off of turnovers. For his efforts, Cam Young was named the MAC Player of the Week for the third time this season, and I believe second week in a row. He had a combined 52 points over the two games this weekend, so congratulations to him. The Bobcats conclude their three-game road swing this Friday night at Iona at 7 p.m. before returning home to host Ryder on Tuesday night, also at 7 p.m. Again, Dan... We move from the heat of the basketball court to the cold of the ice. With women's hockey now, they dropped a pair of one-goal games in the ECAC play this weekend. The Bobcats fell on Friday night to number 5-ranked Clarkson. Randy Marcon and Lexi Agia both scored for the Bobcats, but Clarkson's Lauren Gable recorded a hat-trick, and the Bobcats ultimately lost by one goal. But they were in that game the whole time. whole time. Scored 15 seconds into the game and were, were right within a goal or tied for, for most of it. The next afternoon, the Bobcats dropped a heartbreaker, 5-4 to four to St. Lawrence. The Bobcats got goals in that one from Sarah Ev, Kutugadbu, Brooke Bonsteel, along with Marcon and Ajia as well. Ajia ended the weekend with three points, two goals and one assist, while Randy Marcon had two goals and Brooke Bonsteel had a goal and an assist. The Bobcats are back on the road again for their pair of ECAC games. They play at Yale on Friday night at 6 p.m. before heading to Brown for a 3 p.m. matchup on Saturday. For the men's team, we got a lot to talk about with them. They extended their winning streak to four games this weekend with a road sweep. First, they took down number 10 Clarkson on Friday night by a score of 4-2. to two. TJ Friedman scored his first career goal with 2.29 left in the third to give the Bobcats a late 3-2 to two lead. Odin Tufto and Michael Lombardi scored first period goals while Craig Martin added an empty netter and Andrew Shortridge picked up his 11th win of the season. In the game, both Odin Tufto and Chase Prisky surpassed the 30-point margin. Tufto has reached the plateau for the second time in his two seasons in Hanvin, so crazy start to the career for Odin, while Prisky became just the fourth defenseman in program history to reach that mark. The next night, the Bobcats rolled to a 7-2 win over St. Lawrence. Odin Tufto had a goal and three assists in the win, his third four-point game of the season. Ethan DeYoung and Wyatt Bongiovanni both had two goals, while Chase Prisky and Alex Whalen also scored for the Bobcats. Chase the Hobie. Brandon Fortunato had three assists on the night and extended his personal point streak to six games. The Bobcats swept the North Country road trip for just the third time since joining the ECAC and for the first time since November 16th and 17th, 2012. So uh, multiple years since the Bobcats have swept up in North Country. Quinnipiac scored seven goals in a game for the third time this season and first since a 7-2 win at Maine on November 23rd. Quinnipiac is also the fourth team in the nation to reach 20 wins this season and first in the ECAC, joining Minnesota State with 23, UMass, and St. Cloud, who both have 20. It's now time for news and notes for this men's ice hockey team. The Bobcats check in at number four in the USCHO and USA Today polls. That's right. They are the number four team in the country. 
They also checked in at number four in the pairwise rankings as of Monday. So that means if the national tournament started today, they'd be the number four seed. And two Bobcats took home weekly awards in the ECAC as Odin Tufto was named the ECAC Player of the Week and Wyatt Bongiovanni was named the ECAC Rookie of the Week, both for the second time this season. Odin Tufto also received the first star from the NCAA hockey accounts. We move on to Chase Prisky, Odin Tufto, and Andrew Shortridge, who are all named on the list of 20 semifinalists for the 67th Walter Brown Award given to the best American-born college hockey player in New England. Odin Tufto was also a semifinalist last season, so Odin is racking up a lot of recognition this Unbelievable. week. Unbelievable. Well-deserved. Now, as for opponents coming up this weekend, it's a huge one. It's that time of year, it folks. that time of year. If you're a lucky student, you may got a student ticket and headed to this game on Friday. It's Quinnipiac. It's Yale. It's the Battle of Whitney Ave, and it is the biggest game and the hottest ticket at the People's United Center this season. They host Yale in the annual Heroes Hat game on Friday night, and they welcome home Brown to the building on Saturday night. Both puck drops are scheduled for 7 p.m. The women's lacrosse team, they get their preseason underway with a game at Stenson University down in Florida this Sunday at 12 p.m. On this season's schedule, head coach Tanya Kotowitz said starting in Florida, finishing in California, and everything in between allows us to get great competition to prepare for our conference schedule and expand on our presence as a program, end quote. So great comments there from Tanya Kotowitz. She's excited. The team is excited to get their season started down in Florida. And they're actually going to be home soon. I believe their second preseason game is home in a week or so. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. For the men's lax team, we have them last on our rundown because that is what today's episode is about. Uh, They kick off their preseason with a game at UMass Lowell this Saturday at 1 p.m. The Bobcats play five preseason contests this season all on the road before kicking off their home and MAC schedules in March. Senior attack Foster Cuomo was selected as the MAC preseason player of the year this past week. Cuomo, who was also tabbed as the 2017 MAC preseason co-player of the year as a sophomore, was a unanimous selection at attack on the preseason all-MAC team. He remains the only student-athlete in program history to earn preseason MAC player of the year honors. The senior attack led the MAC in goals per game and ranked third in points per contest last season, recording three game-winning goals. He tallied 33 goals goals and 16 assists for 49 total points. So congratulations to Foster Cuomo on that award. But on this week's episode, Matt, we are talking to the interim head coach of the Quinnipiac men's lacrosse team. It is Mason Poli. He spent the last four seasons as an assistant coach with this program. He takes over for this year as the interim head coach. He had an illustrious playing career out in Bryant and then was drafted to the MLL in the fourth round. But he had a lot of interesting things to say, not only about his playing career, but why he chose to step away from the game and what he's brought from his career into his new coaching career. And he's also super excited to be the new interim head coach. Like he he had this energy when we walked in for this interview that was excitement that his team is getting recognition because lacrosse is growing fast. So we also talked about that. That's a good point. We talked about what he's seen in terms of growth for his sport in America. It's changed a lot. I mean, from when he started playing back when he was a kid up until now. So we asked him about that. I also ran the recorder a little bit early before we started. So it this interview may not necessarily start with, and we're back here on episode number 18. We had a little bit of a, a pre-interview conversation and, and had some fun with little, that. A little so, raw footage? A little I raw footage. 
footage. Little I didn't know this went scenes. down. Behind the peak, yeah, I, I got the microphones ready. I hit record, and we were still kind of talking. So if there was anything fun from that, then I'll make sure I'll cut that in there too. But without any further ado, me and Matt sat down with interim head coach Mason Poley. Let's hear what he had to say. Were you were you pre predestined for lacrosse because of your last name? This isn't part of no. it. Ask Are you that. wait? Actually, were I, you a long pole? I was. So okay. I, All right. Oh, I, Matt. I recently deleted my Twitter. It was long pole. <laughs> 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 <It's just too laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. That did you come up with that yourself? That's yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. What's yeah. That? According to the according to the website, uh, or actually according to the Bryant website, you are the most prolific long pole in program in NCAA history. So, there it is. Not a not a bad thing to have attached to your name now heading into the season. Okay. All right. Episode number 18. Here we go. And we're back here on the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast, episode number 18. And we are joined today by the interim head coach of the Quinnipiac men's lacrosse team, Mason Poley. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I mean, today we, we mentioned this when we came in. Today is the, the perfect day to record a podcast about lacrosse. It's 50-something degrees, and I mean, I don't know. If, are you in shorts over there? You oh, are, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good day for it. But, yeah, so it's the beginning of the spring season already. It's amazing that we've gotten here. But, uh, you know, we, we usually start off with how you ended up at Quinnipiac. But, I mean, the time before Quinnipiac is is kind of something that we want to spend some time on. I mean, oh for sure. Uh, when you when you're doing some research on a guest and find the term uh, the most prolific long pole in program and NCAA history for Bryant, that kind of that'll raise some eyeballs when you're when you're researching. But. And for those who aren't familiar with lax, a long pole is yeah uh, defenseman. So I played with uh, a six foot stick, um, was able to get in the offensive end a lot, and uh, had some success. All right. So, uh, first off, uh, you know, we want to start, I mean, you know, we made the joke that it, that it came because of your, because of your last name, but I mean, you know, uh, growing up in Pennsylvania, when did, when did you figure out, okay, lacrosse is the sport that I, that I'm good at. And this is what I'm going to go into for, uh, I started playing in uh, third grade. Uh, so pretty early, uh, went along, played throughout my career in high school, I uh, got lucky with my opportunity, headed to Bryant. Uh, I was a little under-recruited get, getting out of high school, and Coach Pressler at Bryant had played football for my grandfather in college. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so through that connection, ended up at Bryant, and the rest is a little history. Uh, <laughs> just, just worked out really well. So one of the things that I found in Bryant for you is that you had a hat trick against Quinnipiac. <laughs> so... I wanted to ask because, you know, this is obviously this is before you, you got to Quinnipiac as a coach. So when you looked at Quinnipiac lacrosse when you were playing, what what kind of what did you see around you? What did the program look like at that point? No, it was um, it, it was a well-run program. They were definitely one of our rivals, both being NEC schools at the time. Uh, it was always a heated battle. I think uh, in my career we played four times. Uh, I think we went three and one. Uh, and uh, it, it was always a close game, uh, down to the wire, uh, one, two goal game. I don't think it was until my senior year that we, uh, I, I think we beat him pretty comfortably. Um, <laughs> and, and that's the game I actually had that hat trick where it had some success. So, I mean, I, I, hat trick as a defender, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So, I mean, so how are you, how are you able to, you know, to, uh, I'm, I'm assuming your first focus when you were playing was still on defense, but. You know, uh, how are you able to also put the emphasis on offense while you're playing defense? I mean, that's kind of got to be a tough balance to strike. Well, being an LSM, a lot of your duties are, are between the lines. Uh, so a lot off the face-off, getting the face-off, pushing the ball early, 
Uh, and I, I'm always a believer offense starts on the defensive end. As soon as that ball hits the ground, push it upfield and, and try to take advantage of mismatches, offensive players trying to play defense or, or having transition on settled scenarios. And, and our coach also kind of built a new philosophy working on the sub game and, and setting picks for a lot of offensive guys, uh, creating mismatches again, getting those offensive players on their offensive players trying to play defense. And, and it's really developed um, a lot since those days. So fourth round pick back to the uh, MLL Charlotte Hounds coming out of college. So I mean, first of all, you know what? Tell us about the uh, the draft day experience. You know what it what, what, say, what uh, was that day? What was that day like? And you know what did it mean to you to be able? To I'm get always. Uh, like what was that phone call yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird. Uh, actually, there was no phone call. So leading up to the draft process, you. Uh, programs are, are reaching out um, different organizations reaching out and seeing a lot of it has to do with your um, what you're looking to do as a career post-college uh, it is like a we call them weekend warriors uh, you travel Friday practice Friday night play Saturday and, and you're out there on out of the city on Sunday so they really want to see where you're trying to make like a landing spot to, to help organize with that travel but uh, so I had some of those calls uh, draft day came and it was actually before this, my senior season, which is a little odd. Uh, so it was, I still had my whole senior year to play and just kind of watched it. It was a, a pod or a, a YouTube channel that they had created. And it was just like, oh, there's my name. Uh, and, and it definitely <laughs> caught me off guard. Um, so a couple of years in the league and then. I mean, in good numbers, too. I mean, from, from what I found, 11 points your first year, 10 points your second year, and 10 and 11 games, respectively. So, I mean, you know, good numbers, especially for a, a long pull. But then, all of a sudden, two years later, gone from the league. The name is off the team. So, I'm, I'm assuming that's when when coaching kind of started to come into the picture for you. So, so when did you decide, okay, the playing career was fun, but there there may be another way to go with, with this? And a lot of it has to do with just the schedule. Uh, there, there are guys that do it, and, and hats off to them. It takes a lot. But with our big, uh, our big recruiting season is in the summer. So, we're on the road six, sometimes seven days a week recruiting. So, guys are – who are still doing it are recruiting five days they're leaving the cities they're recruiting in, going to play in a game and then and then right back on the road recruiting so you can go two three weeks without getting home uh and i, I was a volunteer those first couple of years out so i didn't have a big recruiting responsibility and, and was able to still travel and then and then once i came to quinnipiac and became full-time it was uh kind of decision making time um i've got a wife uh had a kid this past summer and our, congratulations wow year and a half ago yeah um <laughs> and and just with, with those responsibilities and uh it's it's tough losing all your weekends in the summer as well um oh, with that recruiting schedule so uh, I think this is where the, the, the first question that we usually ask comes in. So when, out of all the places in the country, why was Quinnipiac where you chose to come and what, what sold you about the program and the school? It's just a phenomenal school. Uh, when, you, when you look at several programs around the country, um, some are limited on, on size, um, academic programs. Uh, when you look at Quinnipiac being a, a mid-sized school, you still have your anonymity walking around campus, but you still get that small personalized classroom uh, like one to 17, I think is the, uh, the, the ratio there. And then we're not limited to any academic programs. Uh, we offer just about everything under the sun. And, and now with our new facility, uh, we're really not missing much. Uh, we just have about everything to offer. And with a lot of the teams, uh, especially women's soccer here, some of them want to study health sciences and play a sport. Yeah. 
and they're able to do both here. Do you see that with your team as well? Absolutely. Uh, we do a lot. Um, we probably have five or six guys in the health sciences program. I think lacrosse tends to, to trend towards business. Uh, but even with the accelerated uh, business degree, getting your undergrad four in three years, one. yeah, uh, and, and getting that MBA in year four uh, is just another huge advantage. So uh, you come and get the get the full time job as the defensive coordinator for the team. So you know I'll kind of uh, I'll ask you that same the same recruiting question here. So you're recruiting on defense. You know the defensive game from when you played. What kind of player are you looking for to come into this program? Not only as a you know as a player on the field, but off the field in the classroom, things like that. No, absolutely. Uh, and it, it starts with off the field. Right. Uh, you want somebody with high character, with leadership qualities. Uh, somebody who's willing to to represent our program well, not only when they're on campus, but when they're back at home. It's that, that's a Quinnipiac lacrosse guy. Uh, for, for on the field, uh, one we're looking for athletes. Uh, whether they don't need to be a certain size, it's just that athletic ability you have. Um, love our weight room guys. Uh, just just being able to muscle opponents um, and and fight for those hard ground balls and, and muscle somebody up. And then you also have to look at the IQ side of it. Uh, how do they, all right, can they handle their one-on-one -on -one matchup, but how are they off ball? Because there's, there's one ball on the field, uh, six offensive guys, six defensive guys. You do the math, most of your time is off ball. So being able to, to see the full field. And, and what we tell our guys, you can't be a spectator of the game. It's The spectator typically watches that one-on-one -on -one matchup. You've got to see the big picture and everybody around you. That's such an it. That's such an important part, especially you know, for a a sport like lacrosse, and you see the same thing kind of in hockey, where it's it's regarded as such a a physical sport and such a, a quick moving sport that you kind of not forget, but it kind of flies under the radar. Being able to think the game well and knowing, okay, you know, this is where I need to be if this situation happens. That's a that's a, a huge part of the of sports like that. And when it comes to recruiting, uh, does it vary year to year? Like, are you looking for sharpshooters one year? Are you looking for stronger like the weight room guys you're talking about other years or are you always trying to keep a well-rounded squad uh, well-rounded for the most part uh, a lot of it has to do with what you lose um, especially numbers um, depending on how many seniors you graduate that's going to dictate how many guys we bring in uh, we'll look at some different variables attackmen we'll, we'll look for the shooter we'll look for a guy at x who kind of has two hands um, midfielders you want to stay balanced a lot of it's more so righty lefty um, dominant players uh, the, the more two-handed they are, the better, and, and more positions they fit. Uh, but a lot of it's dictated based on what you lose. So first year now coming in as the interim head coach, uh, you know, big, big responsibility in front of you this year, of course. But uh, nothing you're nothing you're not ready to handle, having been here for the last couple of years. So, you know, what are you looking for out of this year's squad? I mean, we, you know, we can kind of split this up into a couple of questions. But first of all, from a coaching standpoint. You know, is there anything that you're that you're looking to change on the field? Are you are you keeping the same systems that you worked with over the years past? I mean, from a coaching perspective, what are you looking at this year? No, we're looking to keep it pretty similar. Uh, we've been trying to push the tempo already, and, and with the shot clock, that'll be reinforced even more. The I, I guess the biggest change isn't so much what we're trying to do is ba based on the rule changes. Again, adding that that eighty second shot clock, uh, the clears quickened up. You, you might be able to take a little more advantage in the ride. Uh, just being more organized, and a lot of it's that processing speed, getting from uh, one segment to the next, uh, going from defense to clear into that early offense, into your, more of your settled offense. Uh, just working on our organization and, and, and seeing how the rules affect those different areas. 
What do you think about the the shot clock edition? Do you do you like how the how it changes the game, makes it a little bit quicker? Or does it kind of does it kind of hurt how you guys run your game? No, it uh, it hasn't been too again. It hasn't been too much of a transition. We were already pushing that way. Uh, I think the best part about it is it takes the subjectivity out of the refs' hands. <laughs> the refs would randomly throw that old clock on, and and it, especially at the end of the game, the scenarios they were throwing it on were differently, and it wasn't consistent throughout. So now having that consistent clock, it. Takes a little bit of the game out of their hands, which I think any coach likes. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm for the, the new shot clock. And I think pace of the game is going to be a lot more exciting, too, because sometimes you do see teams spending over uh, sometimes almost over a minute in the offensive end. So I, I, I'm excited to see a faster kind of up and down kind of track meet of a, of a lax game. And, and I think the, one of the reasons they did it, too, uh, for, for the – random fan who turns on the TV and watches the game. It's a little bit easier to follow. It's like, it's like a basketball game. All right, they have possession. The clock's on. It's not like in years past we're like, wait, hold on. Why is there a clock ticking now um, randomly? So we're yeah. trying to grow viewership, um, create uh, more demand for the sport. As guy, yeah, as two guys that have uh, have called lacrosse games before, it's kind of it's kind of fun to throw that up there every now and then. Just, yeah. oh, yeah, now the uh, shot clock's on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Quinnipiac's running out of time. Yeah. But, uh, it, uh, yeah, it adds a little filler. A little filler, yeah. yeah. <laughs> filler, yep. Um, so, I mean, we, we discussed this before we started, but, uh, Foster Cuomo gets named the Mac preseason player of the year, uh, a, a fantastic honor, of course, for, for him to get, but, you know, you mentioned to us when, when we brought that up that, you know, the, uh, the attention may not necessarily be on him as much as another preseason player of the year would be because of how you run your offense. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what you meant by that? Yeah. Uh, I think to be a successful offense, to have the, all the attention on one guy, um, it can hurt you as team scout against you. I'd rather have 10 guys score 10 points than one guy score a hundred and that it, he might have a bad day. Somebody might have a plan to, to shut him off and to be able to respond uh, and just give the ball to somebody else and have them produce is, is huge for our success. Uh, Foster does a phenomenal job. Uh, he, he's It's well-deserved. And uh, and just the attention he draws when the ball's in a stick. It's amazing. I said earlier, like, when he has the ball, everybody com- becomes a spectator. You get, you get like, not even the six guys on the field, like everybody in the, in, <laughs> in the stadium is just all eyes on him. And, and it's great recognition for our program uh, to, to get that out there and for, and, sure, yeah. and for recruiting. And um, we're able to bring in these type of players and, and have this production is, is huge. And what you usually see from these Mac Player of the Years is they're just as good off the field as they are on the field. So what kind of leader is he? He's phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal work ethic. Uh, one of those uh, guys in the weight room who's, who's throwing around weight, motivating the young guys for sure. And, and I think it's a – it's kind of a benchmark for everybody else to look up to where they, they see him on the field and what he can do and uh, it makes guys strive to stay after practice and shoot and, and work on their stick and, and kind of the finesse. And it's almost like an extension of his arm, his stick. Uh, so it, it gives guys a, a goal to reach. That's a, I mean, that's a, it's huge to be able to have a not only a role model on the field like that, especially for you know a freshman coming in because this is – no matter what sports you're playing, you're coming into a, a Division One program. It's daunting, you know. It's it's something that you may may not be ready for, but being able to have somebody like that is good. So, um, you guys start with five non-conference games, all on the road. So, you know, you you have some some conflicting opinions when you talk to different coaches where they like the early road trip to kind of build the build the camaraderie. They don't like it because you want to be able to protect your home barn early. You know what? Uh, what are you thinking going into this uh, this non conference schedule here, all on the road? No, we're excited. Uh, like you said, I think 
uh, this time of year, the, the conference game is – or the non-conference schedule is huge in that it kind of builds your notoriety um, in, in a national aspect. Uh, but it's also your time to prepare for conference play and the conference championship. Uh, I think the, the more adversity we can throw at them and get them prepared and get them into different situations uh, just prepares us for that end goal in winning our conference championship. Is the NCAA tournament for your team a realistic goal this year? Absolutely. Because uh, your team, I think the Quinnipiac program did it not 2015. It was, it was, uh, it was 2016. 2016. So. It wasn't that long ago. So are you guys still in that running? I, I think that's always our goal. Uh, since I've been here, I think we've been in the tournament. Uh, what is this, year five? Three of the four years we've been in the conference tournament. Two years we were in the championship. Uh, we had that great run in 2016. Uh, so that's kind of the new standard we're creating where, where we want to be in that conference championship every year and, and getting that bid into the NCAA tournament. So that's a, that's a good point that Matt made, and I kind of wanted to ask. So, I mean, every program has goals, so you have things that you want to work to. So, I mean, obviously your, your long-term goal is getting to the tournament, making a run, possibly winning a national championship. But shorter-term, day-to-day, week-to-week, what kind of goals are you, are you setting for your team, and what kind of goals are they setting for themselves? Uh, I, I think the biggest one is just continual growth. Uh, you got to build the, the um, from the day before. You can't take any steps back. Uh, we like to use the phrase like "win the day." Um, if, if we're at practice, that's a great one. Yeah, we're at practice. If if we were playing a game today, there, there's we're keeping the score. Uh, you you got to win the day. Uh, and a lot of it just energy and attitude, um, bringing positive energy, um, flying around in every drill we do, and 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 kind of having that that hunger to to get better personally. And in in practice, it's a lot about. Um, you can't be afraid of your weaknesses in practice. You, you work on your weaknesses and, and on game day, you can avoid them a little bit and play to your strengths a little bit more. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but if you, if you try to avoid your weaknesses, you're never getting better. I got one more. Yeah. As do I go ahead. Yeah. And this one's about uh, coaching. Now I'm going to switch gears. Was there a specific person, a guy you looked up to that made you want to get into coaching or maybe model your coaching after? Uh, I, two guys. Um, one, I actually have uh, the plaque right up here. My grandfather um, was a college football coach. Uh, he passed away when I was really young um, and just kind of always had it in the back of my mind, uh, just uh, uh, that drive and hunger. Uh, it's hard to kind of get that competitive atmosphere and I'd say your daily like desk job. Um, yeah. So when you graduate and like, all right, my playing career, although I played in the MLL is um, and it's a little different not being at practice every day. Um, but that, 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 the drive to compete um, really drove me into it and, and kind of looking up to my grandfather. And then the second person uh, was, was my, my coach at Bryant, Coach Pressler. Um, and, again, he had played for my grandfather, so he had a lot of uh, the values that he learned during his playing career and just trying to emulate ourselves. Um, and, and Coach Dommerfeld, my assistant, being uh, one of my former teammates as well, uh, being able to drive for that goal and kind of build a program similarly. And it's huge to have a former teammate. I mean, that's the that's a that's a big chemistry to have between yeah. a coaching staff. But yeah. uh, the last one that I had is is a little bit more of a bigger picture. So, you know, you within the United States, you have the the big four, so to speak. You know, you have the the top four sports professionally that are are you know widely regarded and paid attention to. But lacrosse is right up there as one of the one of the up and coming sports in America. So, I mean, between when you started playing back as a kid, even through college to now as a coach, what kind of growth have you seen in your sport so far? I think the biggest growth has been geographic. Uh, Lacrosse has always been a New England mid Atlantic sport. 
Baltimore, New York. Uh, Did you know it was the Canadian national sport? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, okay. it's boxing for okay. us, though, indoor. Oh, the box. That's so they, that. they, take, yeah, yeah, they yeah. melt the ice down and play on the cement in the summers. Uh, the small goals. Uh, we actually have quite a few Canadians who go back in the summer and play. That's oh, a, it's really? A pretty competitive right. league. Okay. Um, but I think the biggest growth, growth has been geographic. Uh, it's a lot, yeah, again, a lot of mid-Atlantic, New England. Uh, you're seeing the sport really flourish in, in Florida, Texas, California. Uh, it, it's starting to spread at, at uh, all levels of, of college across Um Programs are popping up everywhere. Utah just has uh, – they just had their inaugural game in their first year's D1. So it's the – I think the number of kids that are participating now, especially at a younger age, and now that you're seeing um, people graduate and, and playing D1 and starting to move across the country, the, the coaching is starting to catch up as well. Uh, that was the one thing that when it first started was a little behind. We had kids <laughs> playing, but you were like the, – the coaching might have been behind. And, and now people are – seeing the the expansion and like all right i can go to to this area and and kind of grow a program and um and, and some of it's for uh fiscal purposes and monetary but right right uh but that coaching is starting to catch up to the growth of the game so you've probably seen a little bit of a, a difference in the area that you guys are recruiting in addition to that absolutely uh we've got guys from south carolina florida uh, British Columbia. We uh, we just have a recruit uh, Seattle. Oh wow! Uh, oh, wow. Virginia, Illinois, Minnesota. It's no longer uh, Long Island and uh, yeah. nowhere else. <laughs> and even even Massachusetts. Massachusetts had lacrosse forever, but yeah. just watching it spread, I'd say Western um, into Worcester and the Western part of the state. Yeah, it, it, it's picking up, uh, and especially <laughs> tell a football kid like. All right, you can play a physical sport in the spring too, and and they love it. And I get a stick to hit them with. Uh, yeah, they, it helps. So it helps a lot. So uh, we end all of our interviews uh, with the with three questions. These are the real kind of get to know you questions. They're a little more personal. They're the thinkers. So you know you you talk lacrosse, you play lacrosse all uh, all during your day. So these are a little bit different. Get you thinking. So. The first one, if you could live anywhere in the world that is not hand in Connecticut, because that would be all of our first choices, <laughs> Clearly, where would it be and why? That's a good one. Um, I'd, I'd say somewhere in Europe. Uh, okay. France, maybe. We've had like, a Greece before. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe maybe like in, in Rome. Uh, just oh, just yeah, the yeah. history. Uh, I, I went over and made a trip uh, two years ago. And just the... The yeah the, the history and you walk around the buildings and, and in the states it's like oh this is like three hundred years old and you get over there and it's like this is thousands of years yeah, old yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. and, and just the cultures uh, a little more laid back a little more relaxing uh, now that sounds I was, nice <laughs> I, I, might, I might have to learn a new language but uh, I think I get by I was a I was a Latin kid so I, I was a Latin junkie I know all about like the unspoken uh, for, language yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously I was for uh, I'm for the history of it because he. It's true. Like, oh yeah, this the like the Declaration of Independence, like you said, three hundred years old, and then you get like ruins from a volcano that was mm, seventy nine A.D. Right, which is like yeah. way way back. So that's, it's cool. It's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, next one. If you could have dinner with one person, either alive or deceased, who would it be, and why? Uh, I'd, I'd probably go back to my grandfather. Um, again, just I uh, passed away when I was young. Uh, have some memories, but just kind of, especially now that I'm into coaching, just uh, pick his brain a little bit, get to know him a little better as a person. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it'd be uh, a neat experience. Can't ask much more than that, yeah. <laughs> um, and the last one, and possibly the best. You are on death row, 
What is your final meal, your dinner, your drink, and your dessert? It can be something from home, wherever you, wherever no, you go. I'm probably going to go to a steakhouse. Yep. Um, yeah. A big steak guy. Uh, probably, uh, I don't know how... T-bone, um, 32 yep. ounce to get something big okay. in yep. there. Yep. We're making this meal yeah, last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can have some sides. So uh, probably some potatoes. Uh, mashed? Probably, yeah. I'm a baked. All right. Okay. I'm mashed I'm a, potato. I'm a baked. Mashed uh, 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 try and eat a little healthier. Maybe some some spinach in there. Uh, uh, some sauteed spinach. Pretty love good. Love spinach. Yep. Uh, a lemonade, nice refreshing drink to wash it down. And then what was the last oh, one there? Dessert. Uh, dessert. Dessert. If you want, because, I mean, that 32 no, um, ounces is filling you uh, up. Nah, you got to go all three. Yeah. <laughs> this, I guess this doesn't count as healthy, but carrot cake. I'm a big oh. carrot cake guy. Yeah, I like it. That's no, an I unreal, actually yeah. like carrot cake. The, but you got to do it right. Yes. Don't give me a dry. Get that out of here. <laughs> Stop. The butter, oh. the uh, what is it, the buttercream icing, I think, on the top. That's just, oh, nice yeah, and good. Yeah. A little piece de resistance on top. <laughs> That's unreal. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us here and uh best of luck heading into the season thank you so Good much luck. thanks so much to men's lacrosse interim head coach mason poley for joining us here on episode number 18 of the quinnipiac athletics podcast and that's going to do it for us this week thank you so much for listening make sure you go online to quinnipiacbobcats.com you can get everything you may need breaking news stories tickets merch whatever you happen to think of it's right there on quinnipiacbobcats.com make sure you follow all of these social media accounts if you want to follow the lacrosse team it is at qu underscore m lax so make sure you shoot them a follow to get all of their updates on the season matt mcauliffe if the guys and gals that listen to this podcast want to follow you how do they at M McAuliffe seven on all platforms. That's M C A U L I F F E. Love that. Uh, and I'm at Dan Ball B A H L. And lastly, before we go, make sure you go online to HobieBaker.com/slash/vote so you can vote for Quinnipiac men's ice hockey captain Chase Prisky. The hashtag is Matt McAuliffe. Chase the hobby. What are we doing right now? Right now, I'm on my phone. Uh, right on the mic, doing it. Nice. Hobie Baker vote. See his yellow jersey. Yes. Easy to find. Facebook. Passwords automatic because you know iPhones. <laughs> Got it. There we go. Beautiful. Matt has voted. Make sure you do too. And uh, Chase Prisky, why should we vote for you? Hashtag Chase Ahobi. Awesome. Thanks, Chase, who was absolutely in studio with us and didn't just edit it in from last week. That's it for us. We will see you next week on the show. Bye-bye, everyone. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. Mm-hmm.